Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Man on the Post Weekend Review. I'm your host, Dave, and I'm joined by Midlands duo, Sai. How's it going, mate? I am very well, thanks. Are you? Oh, not too bad. I, I think this might be the first time that I can remember where everyone who's actually on the podcast is, is in a good mood <laughs> after the weekend. <laughs> well, now you've spoiled that Carl's not here. Chris, <laughs> how, how are you, sir? No, I'm good, thanks, Dave. How are you? Yeah, yes, aye, we're, we're buzzing our collective tits off at our team's results, I would say. Um, with that in mind, um, man who's not here, who is probably not here because he's celebrating Cody Gakpo's beginning of the rise to the, to the golden boot. Um, we watched Wolves 1, Liverpool 3 as a Saturday lunchtime fair. Um, Wolves were really quite good for 45 minutes, and then they weren't. Chris, you're from this neck of the woods, talk about Wolves. Um, yeah, Wolves were really good for the first half, and I think a lot of it was to take nothing away from Wolves. Is that the Liverpool was shit? <laughs> Liverpool were really bad for the first half, and I think Klopp made the changes in in the second half, which which was good. Uh, you know, it, it shows he does kind of know what he was doing, and obviously Liverpool were much improved after that and went on to win the game. Um, but I think Liverpool were extremely lucky. Like if they were playing against a better team, no matter how good Wolves played. If they'd have been playing against a team who took their chances, that game could have been out of sight before those changes were made. Yeah, but um, same old story for Wolves, isn't it? They, they, they play quite well in certainly games against the bigger teams, but they obviously can't score that many goals. Yeah, I mean, that, that, that miss from Zakuna. I mean, do, do, I'm not do, quite sure what he was doing. Yeah, <laughs> do, do, does it go down as a miss if you don't even attempt to head the ball? Like... That was just bizarre. Like, I've, what I've was never he doing? seen anyone try and like overhead stomach the ball. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I've got a feeling there was a game at Molyneux last season. But I don't know if it was a Wolves player in opposition where the, basically the same thing happened, but on the goal line, and they 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 tried to to do something with their chest rather than head it. And it, it was I'm sure it was at Molyneux last season that it will come back to me at some point. It was very, very Sunday league, wasn't it? Like, yeah. It's, it's, it's so good. It's, but I was like, Neto was a real threat. He's a good player. Yeah, brilliant him. So yeah, I'm and pleased. I, and I, re- I was really pleased he's back after his injury because sometimes the big injuries can sort of stop a player in their tracks, but he's, uh, he seems to have recovered pretty quick, pretty well from it. Yeah. I was really impressed with the, the other new, well, with one of the new signings they've made. I can't remember his name. Bir- is it? Oh, the, the French lad they signed from Strasbourg? Oh, yeah. We'll call him the French lad from Strasbourg. I can't remember his name. Yeah, yeah. Um, he, he looked re- really, really good as well. He's an absolute hoot. Like, he's, like, he likes a goal, he likes a shot, he likes a yellow card, he likes everything. <laughs> he's, he'll be involved in a lot of their games, I think. Um, but, yeah, the, it was, you know, the, against Man United on the opening weekend, they, they played pretty well against our right, mediocre opposition. Um, some, somehow didn't score. Somehow didn't get a penalty. 
um, obviously lost that game. Um, and here they, they sort of made the chances and then didn't have any sort of plan B when, when Liverpool changed it up. Uh, si, did you think Liverpool earned it rather than Wolves throwing it away in the end? Um, well, I only saw the, the second half. The first half I was on my way to the Villa game. So um, I was surprised when when I saw the score at half-time. But then having sort of seen the highlights, yeah, I mean, Wolves... It, games like a team like Wolves playing against a team like that is, is one of those you as sort of Chris just said earlier you've got to take your chances when they come and, and you know try and get yourselves in the position having got in only one at half time to be fair I thought Liverpool were, were you know really good in that second half and I I was really impressive with uh, Darwin Nunes actually when he came and I thought he, he made a, a big difference um, sort of caused Wolves quite a few problems but having said that you know Wolves didn't help themselves at that second goal what the keeper was doing with that with that kick I mean I, I get it was obviously thinking there's a possible counter attack on here but he just completely cocked the kick up and then they just kind of never really set themselves and sort of letting Robertson run that far with no one picking him up wasn't great defending, and you know, once Liverpool got ahead, I, I think that was pretty much game over before the third one sealed it. Yeah, the subs made a huge difference. I thought Luis Diaz was good as well. There was one bit in the play between him and Nunes where, like, he played this little through pass. He had a foot like a pillow. There was no way he could. <laughs> it was the most delicate of touches. Um, I think the keeper saved it or whatever. But either way, it was a nice move. So. What do I think of Liverpool this season? I know we're only five five games in, but they seem to have like, got good results without ever really playing that well. Yeah, I, I don't think they've played that well, but they're still they're still unbeaten, I think. Uh, yeah, Man, yeah, Man, yeah, Man so. United were in a similar position last season, where like you don't think they played that well, but then the, we've mentioned it a few times. They just seem to yeah go on these weird unbeaten runs. But <laughs> um, I thought McAllister was awful in the first half. I generally thought Kevin McAllister would come on. <laughs> uh, it, they were so bad, like, and he was the one player. Uh, he was the first change. Klopp hauled him off. You know, for a sixty-five million pound midfielder to be hauled off at half time, um, you know, w- wasn't great. And you know, you mentioned Diaz and. Um, uh, Nunes who came on, they were both substitutes, and they really did come on and make the difference. It was it was so strange from Liverpool. It was, I, mean, I suppose they had a patched up back four as well, um, which I don't know, but was it Jarrell Kwanzaa? Is that his name? Was that that right? He looked, he, yeah, he looked, he looked all right. He was all right, wasn't yeah. he? Yeah. Apparently, he's highly rated, but like I think, any, if if you're from Liverpool or, or from, the, <laughs> I think he, I think he's from, he's, he's not from Liverpool but if you're from within 20 miles of Liverpool and you end up in the Liverpool Youth Academy you are the next Steven Gerrard mm. um, it's a shame from you know and, you know but nine times out of ten they end up being the next Neil Mellor um, <laughs> although I can't really say that name without getting heartburn um, <laughs> uh, but yeah they, 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 they do have this thing don't they where uh, you know local lad comes into the team and he's the best thing since sliced bread until the next time um, but yeah he, he, he looked alright but say so, what Wolves had quite a few chances and probably should have put this game to bed but fair play to Klopp like I said he made the changes that we needed and the Wolves didn't have a plan B unfortunately uh, no they really didn't um, so in the end the result we expected but Liverpool went the long way around to get it um, under the three o'clocks on Saturday uh, so si, we'll, we'll start with you because alphabetically you are first but <laughs> this game was mad so Villa 3 Palace 1 
Um, Roy Hodgson, get well soon. Um, could have any number of ailments, let's be honest. Um, <laughs> he missed the game. Um, Palace went ahead to Edward um, after Martinez's unfortunate slip. Uh, and then it looked like it was going to peter out to a Palace win until Duran Duran scored an unbelievable strike. Uh, and then there was a penalties carnage, which we'll come on to, and then obviously a, a counter-attack goal at the very end. Um, talk us through it, Sai. How, how was it for you? It was... It's a strange one because the, the final result, I think, was probably like fair and indicative of, of the game as a 90-minute piece or 120-minute piece as it turned out to be for the stoppage time. Yeah, at the same time, Palace were so close to pulling off what you'd call a classic perfect away performance in a way. Um, first half, to be fair, we, we probably should have had the game wrapped up at half-time. Um, Ollie Watkins, he's, he's going through one of his leaner spells, shall we say, missed an absolute sitter when he was put through by Joel Ward, I think it was. Mm. Um, you know, he's, he was a shot of a man who's he's not confident at the moment. And then there was another opportunity for him where Cash put a good ball across and he didn't fling himself at it. And we kind of, you're watching it. And again, me and my brother were chatting and I kind of said to him, look, you know, I'm a big fan of Ollie Watkins. He, he does get goals uh, and he does offer a lot for the team. But you look at those two chances missed, and for me, that's the reason why someone like Callum Wilson gets called up for the England squad and Watkins doesn't, because he's just he's not as clinical as he should be. Matty Cash has obviously left his shooting boots up in Burnley because he missed two really good chances as well. So as I say, the first half, we should have you know, been home and dry, really. And then Palace obviously come out, get a really early goal to um, on, you know, on a counter-attack where you mentioned Martinez, unfortunately, had a little slip. Torres got probably done a bit too easy out on the wing and Cons didn't come across. So, he's, you know, there's a number of players at fault for that. And as as at that point, I wasn't too worried because I thought well, the, the pattern of the game won't change because Palace came out from the first minute with, every, with no interest in entering our half and trying to <laughs> take the point. So I knew that it would be sort of the same thing. But we, there was like a 15, 20 minute spell where we, kind of lost our structure a bit. Palace got a couple of chances on, on the counter-attack. Um, Eze really should have put the one away, but it was you know, fair play, great save from Martinez. You'd expect that from a keeper like that. And then, yeah, we obviously we, we got that goal, uh, goal back. You actually mentioned a wonderful strike from John Duran, who, um, you know, I was saying before we started recording, he he really reminds me of, of Ben Teke when he first came to us. He's a big, powerful player, but he's he's got really good technique to him as well. I mean, that goal, at that stage of the game for 19-year-old kids, this, you know, he, he could have, a lot of people there may have just gone for goal with their heads straight away or tried to nod it down to someone else, but he's had the composure and quality to take that touch on the chest. And then hit it so quickly and so powerfully as well. I mean, you look, the ball goes fairly central in the goal, but he's just hit that hard. The keeper had no chance. And then at, at that stage, even though that was the eighty-seventh minute, you just there was a feeling in the stadium that we're going to go on and, and get a winner here. Um, like the, they they sort of smelt blood in, in the Palace team and thought, okay, we, we can get at them. And then. Obviously, we get the penalty, which uh, we'll, we'll, we'll come on to in great detail in a second. And 
obviously you sit that one away and by, by that stage again you're thinking okay there's five six minutes left a lot of teams might just sit back and think well we've got ahead let's just defend this but no they kept going and and went for a third to finish it off. And, you know, obviously we, we got it through Leon Bailey, who only seems to want to play football at Villa Park and there's no interest in playing outside of Birmingham, it seems. Um, so, yeah, it turned out to be, as I say, a strange one in that. It was a, it's a deserved win over the course of the game. But if you were a Palace fan, obviously losing that late on, you'd be pretty pig sick. But, um, yeah, so we'll come on to the penalty. Now, I know, obviously, me being a Villa fan, you could possibly say I, I might be slightly swayed in, in my opinion on this, but I genuinely don't really understand why there's any controversy about this. For me, I thought it was just as clear as say. He he, he takes he takes the man before, before he gets the ball. And if I was a Palace fan, my anger would be directed at my defender for sliding in in the box from behind on someone in stoppage time. But um, I'll uh, be interested to see what you two thought about it. Uh, I thought it was a pen. I think I think he goes through the man to get the ball. I mean, I think that's... I can say it's, you know, the most obvious decision in the world, but I think fundamentally <laughs> the angle he comes in at, he can't do anything but go through the man to get the ball. Uh, what I thought was funny on Soccer Saturday was... Uh, Paul Merson was doing your game and he's like, oh, it's a pen all day. And Mike Damon's like, oh, I don't think it's a pen. And then obviously the, the ref in the VR room sent the ref to the um, the screen and he still decided it was a pen. So, I mean, just goes to show Which, like... <laughs> I, I mean, I, I was amazed at that because the referee, and I mean, you know, we won the game so this isn't me talking at uh, sour grapes or anything. He was awful. Like, honestly, he was so bad to... I was amazed that he um, that he actually stuck with his decision and fair play. But look, but also, so that penalty came. I think there was nine minutes of stoppage time initially put on, and that that penalty I think was given maybe in like say the ninety fifth or ninety sixth minute. The reason there was so much stoppage time was the time wasting from Palace. I mean, like, I I do I get it. You know, if your team away from home, you're winning. You are going to you know try and try those tactics out. But considering there's this directive this season to try and stop it, I mean, it was, at one stage, Sam Johnson went down. And I, t- I still don't really understand what he, he got down for. And I mean, it was obvious he was wasting time. But he, he was down for about five minutes. And during that five minutes, not once was there a hint of any movements from the sub-goalkeeper <laughs> getting warmed up or anything from the Palace bench. So you know exactly what they're playing at. And, I mean... I could be annoyed that the ref allowed it to happen, but having said that, the, you know, the, the time was added on at the end. So, you know, their, their, their taxes came back to, to bite them on the bum in the end. So they've only got themselves to blame for the defeat, for their time wasting. And like you said, the defender lunging in from behind on someone. Yeah, well, we'll come back to time wasting and time added on uh, during the Tottenham game, <laughs> just because it'll, it'll round us off nicely on that. Um, Chris, what do you make the pen? I wasn't aware there was any controversy. It was it was nailed I, on. Yeah. Not, eh? I, I was amazed when they sent him to the screen. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, but I mean, yeah, I, I, like on match of the day, uh, their analysis was pathetic. <laughs> trying to get as many Duran Duran puns as they could, but they they all said that that they thought it was a harsh penalty. And I was I was watching, thinking like 
am I missing something here? Like, is that not just a clear, clear penalty? I think it was quite similar to Van Dijk on Isaac the week, where he all right plays the ball, but he goes through the mat to get it. Like, just because he wasn't like upright when he did it, like it doesn't make it right. Um, <laughs> that's the only way I can see it. Like, it wasn't like he came around and hooked the ball. He literally went through him, and all right, he didn't get the biggest touch on him, but it was still enough, um, mm. especially travelling at pace. So. Um, uh, Steaming like a storm, yeah. storm to take up for me. Like, but I don't know why it took so long. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, to be fair, like when when we were in the ground, obviously when they first when the rest first sent over, as you know, you, as everyone would think, you, you're like, okay, well, the, he's going to change his mind here. But he was at the screen for about four or five minutes, and the longer it went on, the feeling was kind of he's he's going to give it because if he's spending this long, surely. Like it's not a clear and obvious ever to overturn. So um, yeah, that was great to see. And just one final point of the game as well. Um, he substitutes. He brought Bailey, Duran, and Tiedemans on, and they all contribute. Obviously, Duran and Bailey got the goals, and Tiedemans put the ball through for Watkins to get the penalty and played the RB down uh, for the third goal as well. So it was, that was good to see as well. That. Yeah, the decisions from the manager paid off. So, yeah, all in all, uh, very happy Simon at the the end of that game. <laughs> Good. Well, that's uh, as, long, as long as one of us is always happy. That's that's all right for me. <laughs> uh, Chris, do you have to add on this before we move on? No, not really. Like I say, if we're going to talk about the time waste element during the Spurs game, I'll I'll talk about it then. But. Yeah. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll come back to it because we won't have a deeper dive on Spurs, I don't think. So we'll, we'll use the time on that instead. Um, plus, Paul Hackenbottom went off one, which was great. So. <laughs> um, Fulham one, Luton nil. I mean, I've got nothing to say on this. Do either of you have anything to say on this? No, I mean, I've, I I vaguely remember seeing it on match of the day, but <laughs> I couldn't tell you who scored, how it was scored. Yeah, I've got nothing. Luton, I'm gonna. They're going to struggle to get points this season. Yeah, I feel like we might get a lot of Luton nils, um, <laughs> especially away from home. Um, I think Carlos Vinicius scored for. Yeah, he came, for he came, I think he came off the bench and scored. I quite like him. I, I think he's decent. Um, he's apparently not as good as Raúl Jiménez though, in uh, <laughs> in the eyes of uh, Marco Silva. But and again, who is? Um, <laughs> We'll we'll leave Fulham v Luton. I, I think, as you just said, there Luton are in for a, a tough season. Um, Fulham, I think, will probably be in the middle for a lot of it. Um, <laughs> I don't think I'm, I'm, be... I'm, I'm feeling very good about my prediction of uh, Luton not getting a single away from. Uh, aye, well, the deck is stacked, at <laughs> least. Um, yeah, they, they every time that there was a few instances where they actually like looked to get an attack going. Um, Sambi Lakonga, who they've got on loan from us, mm. um, actually looked quite bright. He was he was playing the ball out, but every time he played the ball out to one of their wide players, they 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 go past their fullback and then just stop. <laughs> Well. And then wait, waiting for the like, waiting for something to happen in the box, and it was just like, like Fulham were just letting them do it because there was absolutely no urgency and no danger from them. Um, yeah, I, I, I wasn't, I haven't been impressed with with Luton at all. No, um, they've got a, a mountain to climb, I would suggest, but you never know. Strange things have happened. Um, 
I'm doing uh, more entertainment matters at Old Trafford. Man United 1, Brighton 3. Um, funnily enough, a well-coached football team ran rings around a circus act. So... <laughs> Um, People are acting like this is a massive shock. Like, well, exactly. This, like, is, this, is, this is exactly the result. I, I thought this was. Yeah, I, I, I think on my seat six, I went for. I think, I think, to be fair, I only went two one Brighton. I didn't expect it to be as as amusing as it as it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, Danny Welbeck scored against his former club, which is always funny. Pascal Gross scored like he does all the time in his Man United for some reason. Um, João Pedro came off the bench to make it three, uh, and. Hannibal Lecter pulled one back later on. Um, he's uh, aye, good for him. Um, so neither, neither saw this as a shock. Uh, I mean, I don't suppose you're alone in that assessment. Um, well, uh, it's probably churlish to brush over Brighton because we say this every week. They're pretty much excellent every week, and it's just a matter of whether they put the ball in that or not. Um, Man United are a state, right? <laughs> Where do you think it's gone wrong? Simon, you're going to have first stab at this. What, what's what's the biggest problem they've you got? Have, yeah, you have to say the Glazers, Simon. <laughs> <laughs> the internet will allow you to... <laughs> oh, no, yeah, the, the way they've you know, not backed their managers is, is criminal, really. Isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I mean, there's so many things. Just poor recruitment, obviously, is, is a massive one. Um I don't know. It's 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 kind of it's hard to sort of nail down one specific thing, really. I think they they just they've not got good enough players. That that's the main thing, really. And they've for the last couple of wind uh, last couple of years in transfer windows, they've just not addressed what everyone else had recognised as a problem. It's like years ago. When everyone used to say, "Why doesn't Arsene Wenger sign a, a holding midfielder?" <laughs> you know, that Arsenal really need that. And he kind of went, "Well, why sign a holding midfielder when I can give you a number diminutive little number eight? And it's like, man, you have gone. Well, we, don't, we don't need a centre forwards or centre backs. We can just keep signing really, really poor players for stupid amounts of money. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 unbelievable. The, the money they've spent, and you look at that team, it's, it's, I think it's so average. Like, I mean, Casemiro, yeah, he had a really good year last year. But I think I, we said it a few weeks ago, he looks like he's aged 10 years over <laughs> the summer. And he's just, he's so lost in that midfield. But he's going to be, when you look at who his midfield partners are, who, who've got no interest or capability of helping out in there and I mean yeah there's, there's so many problems at that football club with with the players on the pitch and you've got to you've got to look at who's who's allowed them to spend some money they've spent on these players I mean like Anthony 80 million was it on him something like that mm, yeah, he's, yeah. he's been he's been useless what's happening with, with Jaden Sancho just seems so odd um but you know, Man, Man U and their how can I put this delicately that won't get us in trouble. Their their treatment of their players over certain things leaves me puzzled. Mm. And we'll, we'll we'll maybe just just leave that one at that. <laughs> but, um, yeah, they've I I think looking at it, they they are going to 
really, really struggle. Let them forget top four. I think they're going to struggle to finish in the top six because I know last season we all kind of thought they weren't particularly good, but somehow finished third. I don't think they're going to get away with that again. I think there's a number of teams, like Brighton, ourselves, uh, both your teams, um, Tottenham as well. There's a number of teams that have strengthened well over the summer. And you look at, you look at the teams in sort of the top six, seven at the moment. Would you swap many of their players for the players that Man U have got? Exactly, exactly mm. the question I was going to ask. Is there a single Man United player that any of us would take into our first eleven? And no, no disrespect. Like, so you're obviously the yeah. kind of, the, of the smallest team here. So the the fact that you you I don't think there's anyone in that team who you would pick to go into that Villa team right now. I mean, at push, you could argue. I mean, Bruno Fernandes does have some qualities. I, I, I don't like him. I think his, his, his personality is, is uh, you know, well, he's, he's a prick. Let's be honest. <laughs> but, but, but he, he is a decent player. He, you know, I think he, he probably would get into our first team. Maybe Marcus Rashford. But other than that, yeah, I mean, certainly no one in their defence or goalkeeper gets anywhere near. And none of, not a single one without yeah. doubt, would get into either of your team, I don't think. Yeah. I think there's only Varane, who unfortunately is injured at the minute, but I think he's the only one who sort of... He's, all, he's always... You know, yeah, player. I mean, he's a big miss when he's injured as well, but... Um, they, yeah. they're a shambles, look, really, aren't they? Look, look at their signings. Like, the, I can't... Casemiro was a decent signing, but again, it, has, it seems to have fell off. Mm. But again, I think size right. A lot of that does come down to what's playing around him. But apart from that, I can't. I'm looking at their sign. I'm just. I've had to have a look online because because we know that Ten Hag has been backed. If he's the manager making these signings, and I believe he must be to a degree because he's bought quite a few players from Ajax. Mm. But like Jack Butland is on this fucking list. <laughs> um, Good grief! You know, I, I understand. Like it's like it's like the Scott Carson thing at Man City, isn't it? Bringing a third choice goalkeeper who's never going to play bumps up your English quota. Lardida, I get mm. that. But then you've got like. Let's have a look. So, Voot Regors on loan from Burnley. Man, I think I've said this before. Man United signing players on loan from Burnley. <laughs> uh, Man United signing players on loan. Do you, do you, what, do you, does anyone actually remember this happening before? Or does anyone remember a team ch- uh, supposedly challenging from the top four bringing in so many players on loan over over a period? Because they had like Sabitzer last season. Mm. You know, that, it, it's so strange. You don't see like Liverpool, Chelsea. You don't. You know, you don't really see it that much with them. Um, yeah, Anthony, 80, 88 million, and he's fucking terrible, and hopefully going to prison. <laughs> um, you know, Christian Eriksen, okay, he, he looked like he was on a defibrillator. Um, you know, I know we shouldn't make jokes about it, but like, I think yeah. I think he played better in that game where he nearly died than he did in this game. Like, like and, and that Martinez, what the fuck? Oh, yeah. Jesus Christ, he asked to be subbed off against us. <laughs> wasn't injured because he played in the international break, so he couldn't have been injured. He just he asked to come off. And Man United fans love this guy because he kicks the shit out of people. <laughs> and he's, he's asking to come off because he can't cope against us. And then he just he he looked like he couldn't cope against Brighton, and just he he didn't need to ask to come off because he was already there. He literally just watched them play around him. You know, when when Adam Lallana is giving you the runaround, you really need to ask questions about how good this future captain and uh, of Man United really is. 
Yeah, I mean, you, you talk about like, uh, loan players as well. So the transfer deadline day, their their big announcements was Johnny Evans to sign a <laughs> yeah, deal yeah. and Sergio Reguilón on loan from Tottenham. I'd forgotten he was still at Tottenham because he, I thought he was crap whenever he played for them. Why are they signing him on loan? And then he yeah. played. Yeah, he played. He played. He, yeah, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. They're, they're signing players that their rivals do not want. You know, <laughs> if, if, if Spurs saw Man United as a rival, they wouldn't be loaning them re- regularly. He's not a terrible player, um, you know, but Spurs aren't going to be like, oh, yeah, we'll give you him because you need a left back because Luke Shaw's injured himself on the way to the buffet. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, yeah, it's, it's maybe, maybe they thought, like, maybe when you thought last season... Man City sold Arsenal, Jesus, and Zinchenko. They wouldn't have done that if they thought they were rivals, but they actually turned them into title contenders. So maybe if we get someone on loan, because <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's, that's their thinking. You know, it seems, I don't understand if they were loaning players in from Barcelona or Real Madrid and stuff hmm. like that, but they're not. They're bringing players in from Burnley, you know, hmm. or signing Johnny Evans from relegated Leicester. Yeah. It makes no sense. It's you know, ridiculous. And, and that Anana, I'm sorry. Like David De Gea, okay, he was he wasn't great, but he was made the scapegoat for a lot of the problems at Man United for whatever reason. But I think the reason he hasn't got a new club at the moment is he's too busy fucking laughing his ass off <laughs> and that fucking clown that they've signed to replace him. He is awful. He's uh, he's, he's not started well, has he? <laughs> He's, I don't think he's. I don't think he's a good goalkeeper. Like, I, I know someone yeah. made the argument last time I brought this up that he had a good game. He played well for Inter, but you know he he, he had a decent Champions League final. Yeah. Well, at least to hear made saves. So that was the thing. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't remember this guy doing anything. All I see of him every weekend is pictures of him just out of reach of a ball. <laughs> <laughs> um. Just to make matters worse, man. Or maybe, maybe not. Who knows? One Basaka's now off for two months as well. So, um, or, or... best right back, best right back in the world, apparently. Oh, he's the best one-on-one defender he's ever been born, ever. <laughs> but not for two months, he's not. So, hello, Dallo. It's a shame, really, though. It's a real shame, though, because Brighton were really good as usual. Mm. Like, but all the talk is about Man, like all the papers and everything. All they were talking about is how bad Man United are. Um, and I don't, I don't think this is a surprise, you know. And I, I do feel sorry for Brighton a little bit because I say the shine has been taken off an, an excellent performance for them. Yeah, well, the thing with Brighton is you, you know they're going to turn up and play like an eight out of ten game pretty much without fail. Um, did, did you notice at two 0 up they were still making attacking substitutions as well? Ah, uh, Deserby's got no chill. Like he just, he just, yeah. he just, keeps, just keeps playing and playing and playing. They never, they never like, they never shut up shop to Like it's just yeah. Six, sixty-five minutes in, he takes off Lalana and Welbeck, who've both been playing really well, um, and then brought on her, 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 Yo Pedro and and Sue Fatty. <laughs> like, Jesus Christ! You just <laughs> people don't do this at Old Trafford. Ah, <laughs> uh, he does what he wants. I'm all for it. I think Brighton. Just go from strength to strength, don't they? Um, yeah. And then Man United uh, took off took off their seventy-two million pound striker. Uh, to cause a booze. People are still. Well, I think. Hopefully, people are starting to come running my way, thinking about Ten Hag. He's uh, just a bald Solskjaer, and we'll see <coughs> how that claim goes. <laughs> no, I, I I think you're right. I think. Um, well, at the end of the week, when when I was done, I, I was listening to the pod. You guys said, I think it might be you, Chris, that or 
Robin Carl, one of you was uh, brought up that sort of subject on, on Ten Hag, and I think I'd kind of alluded to it as well, uh, and right at the start of the season, that what's he really done that different to, to what Solskjaer did? Like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm yet to be convinced by him. He's fell out with more players than Solskjaer did. Yeah, um, it's because he's he's a tough disciplinarian. He's stamping out the problems in that dressing room, according to Gary Neville. <laughs> if, one, if one of the problems was winning games, he's definitely doing that. <laughs> he's uh, exceptional at uh, stopping that, isn't he? Um, it's funny though, isn't it? Oh, it's, it's, <laughs> it's funny because it's funny because it's not us. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, right. Next up, Tottenham two, Sheffield United one. Another game that was settled in the hundredth minute. Um, I mean, to be fair, Sheffield United got battered throughout. Um, scored a goal totally through in a play from Gustavo Harmer. Uh, but then Tottenham finally made their um, dominance tell with goals from Richarlison and Kulisevsky in injury time, of which there was a lot of it. Paul Hackenbottom had a bitch fit about the amount of stoppage time or the refs causing stoppage time or refs in general or refs and other refs. I don't really know. He was mad, very mad. <laughs> um, first of all, let's talk about the football. Chris, uh, do you see any of this one? Yeah, I saw I saw the highlights um, over the weekend. It was um, yeah, Spurs had quite a lot of chances. James Madison did his usual, you know, just literally waltzing through the midfield, uh, and it was a bit of a shock that that to be fair, that Spurs didn't you know get the game won in um, in in normal time. But I think the interesting thing about this, like talking about the like going on to the injury time, but very briefly, is the I think with this new directive where they're going to be adding on time for time wasting and stuff you know i'm all for it and stuff but it's going to be the death of some of these smaller teams so <laughs> sheffield united and you know and the lot the, the teams who, who like to waste a bit of time here and there like palace against villa then they're the sort of teams that they're trying to slow the game down because they're they're not fit enough like even though these are professional athletes and whatever it's it's no secret that the the, the players at certain clubs are just fit out and they can go for longer, you know. That's why you see like these, you know, in the in the pre Ten Hag era, or you know, when Man United were the all domineering team, you saw that they would just take their time. They would break teams down and tire them out. And you're gonna see, you know, and and you're gonna see more of that now because teams aren't games are going on longer, and teams some teams drop off after seventy minutes. So when you're playing like a hundred minutes now, I think that's why we're seeing so many like late goals. Because as I say these smaller teams just, <clears throat> just just can't cope with it, and when you've got a team like Villa, who you know if you're making the right amount of changes now, um, and you've got some players who've got a bit of fitness to them, you, you're going to be more. We're just going to keep seeing more and more goals after 90 minutes now, and that's exactly what happened here. Sheffield United they were being battered, but they defended really, really well. To to be fair, um, so well that Richarlison scored. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, they just can't keep that. It's it's not even physical fitness; it's mental fitness as well, isn't it? You know, you've got to stay switched on and make all the right decisions <coughs> in the game, and that's really difficult with, without the ball. You know, you people think oh, if you haven't got the ball, you can have a bit of rest. You can get your. It's not football doesn't work like that at this level. You know, you've got to be mentally switched on all the time. And unfortunately, these smaller clubs that don't have the players with the elite mindsets, the elite fitness, and everything. It's not a disrespect to them; it's just how it works. Um, they're just not going to survive. And I say, Luton are, are going to be a team that suffers from it. 
and unfortunately, I think there's going to be a team that we'll probably come on to and speak about when we get to Sunday's games that I think are in a lot of trouble for this as well. <laughs> I think the the point you you made there as well about the uh, the changes that that teams can make is is a is a big one. One that I was going to say, yeah. you know, we've got the five substitutions now. I mean, we like for example, like you mentioned our game, we we were able to bring on uh, Duran Bailey and Tiedemans, like. Yeah. You know they're 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 good players that that you can bring on to change games, and then obviously the teams, you know, who who have got better squads than Villa have got. So you, you, like the Liverpool game, for example, obviously it wasn't quite as late, uh, you know, for their goals to come back. The fact that they can bring like uh, Nunes and Diaz and whoever on, and the teams they're playing, and like you say, they've got to play for longer. So it's harder, but they haven't got the players on the bench that are going to come on yeah. and be able to make the same sort of difference. Yeah, that's it. So when you look at your bench, you've got Ross Barkley sat there with a kebab at the end of the bench. <laughs> you're thinking, you're like, oh, God, this is going to be a long afternoon. Yeah, But yeah, no, it's exactly right. So substitutions have made a real difference in, in this season. I think we're seeing it more and more. And obviously when the five, they uh, renewed the five sub rule, um, this season, a lot, of, a lot of managers were saying it's going to change the game because there were quite a few managers who were against it. Um, usually from the from the smaller clubs, and at first it was like, oh, there's going to be the tiredness factor. But this that new rule alone is, is a, can be a game changer. But added with the extra minutes as well, it makes it even more important for, for say the bigger clubs. Yeah, it's definitely uh, been a factor, hasn't it? But as you said at the start, of that uh, piece, Chris, like it's better, isn't it? Like I think I'd rather have games decided. Properly, um, by playing oh, yeah. the, the minutes and having a team sit on the ball for 80 minutes to stop throwing and stuff, which, I mean, to be fair, my team mm. was very guilty of last <laughs> season. Um, but I think it's it's better for for everything, really. I mean, as a, as I hear it saying, as a product, as a brand, like it's better for people to be able to watch actual football rather than people time-wasting. Mm. And it does ball my piss when, coach, uh, when pundits are like, oh, God, this game's never going to end. Oh, <laughs> so, so you've got to watch more football, Christ! I mean, what a pity. I forgot well, so I think if it sta- if it stays this way and we get rid of teams who are like, running down the clock and everything, it, it's only going to be a good thing for the game, um, you know, because it will make more attacking, uh, you know, more open games. But it's it's going to be difficult for smaller clubs. One question I did want to ask, and I was kind of going to ask about this during the Arsenal game, but I think now is quite a good um, place to ask it though. Is so we, we're seeing a lot. A lot of time wasting. I, and to be fair, I don't think it's any worse than it has been previously. But have you noticed the media coverage of it suddenly, especially from Sky, <laughs> has got a little bit strange. Especially when Sky seemed to have this relationship with the PGMOL. <laughs> Do you think Sky are going a little bit in-depth here <laughs> in highlighting certain things to try and build a relationship with the referees of the union? <clears throat> yeah, I mean, it's... You get it every every year, don't you? When when there's a new uh, like directive or rule or or something brought in, they they yeah, they tend to go all in, focusing on it, don't they? And yeah, trying to trying to make it look like oh, you know we're we're on top of of what's happening in the game. So uh, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it is it, it is a bit tiresome. Yeah, because the outrage over Arsenal taking twenty six seconds to take a corner. Oh God, yeah, what? that was odd. that was odd actually yesterday. The twenty wasn't there. Yeah that they wouldn't shut up about it and they've been going about it all day 26 <laughs> seconds to the point where Opta put out a stat yesterday saying the average corner in the Premier League last season was 33 seconds 
So <laughs> we were quicker than the average corner last season, but we are criminals. See, for, 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 for wasting time apparently. If anybody's dreading going to work tomorrow, um, please just remember someone has had to count every corner in the Premier League last season with a stopwatch <laughs> and come up with an average time. It could always be worse. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I don't get it, and like I say I was I was, um, I was watching something earlier on, earlier on today, and somebody brought up on that. They were like, um, "Don't you think it's a bit funny that Sky and Howard Webb seem quite pally all of a sudden, <laughs> and Mike Dean is now a member yeah. of like a Saturday and all this?" And it's like, it's like Sky are really trying a big deal to push the PGMOL's agenda to be like, "Look, we know what you're trying to do. That we're going to get it on board with fans. We're going to make fans clamp down on time wasting." I don't think like, that's a bad thing though. Really, like I think. There's no point going against the refs. Like, but they're, do- they're doing it in such a weird way, though. Well, yeah, that's, that's, that's probably a bit forceful, isn't it? But I mean, everything Sky does is a bit weird. Like, I kind of <laughs> wish that I, I kind of wish we could start again with football coverage in this country because it's like, yeah, it's very YouTube it's, now. Isn't oh, it? it's awful. Like, uh, I mean, luckily I don't watch a lot of Sky outside of like the live coverage, but like, everything is just like, let's go and see what this no mark says. Who's been joined <laughs> by? Who's been joined by Clinton Morrison? Like. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter what the event is, what channel it's on. Clinton Morrison's there, one way or another. And he's all right, Clinton Morrison. But like, I don't need to see him on everything. Like, I don't have any conflicts and peace with Mike Weatherburn. I don't want to see Clinton Morrison there as well. Like, it's weird. Like, they've got this like new YouTube direction, Sky. And do they realise that like these nineteen-year-olds or whatever they're going after um, in the, this YouTube generation? They're not paying for Sky. Sky is <laughs> no. ridiculously expensive. That's like, exactly it, Chris. Exactly it. Yeah, the people who pay for Sky Sports are people like us in our late thirties, early forties. Now, I'll be honest. I don't pay for Sky Sports. I I I, I move to Australia every Saturday afternoon. Um, <laughs> But but yeah, I, I don't I don't get it. It's just put, like, putting people off. Like I, I speak to a few lads at work and stuff like that, and they're like, I can't watch football on Sky. Like I pay for. I, I know a guy who pays for Sky, but watches illegal streams of football so he can get different commentary. Because <laughs> he can't he can't watch the Sky build up. It's like it's awful. It's just it's just. I don't. If I ever see Fogden again, this guy's. He said I had no idea who the fuck Fogden was <laughs> six months ago, and now this fucking gormless twat is all over my TV. And I just like, it, it, yeah, they, I don't know. They, just, it, it's ridiculous. I, I don't get. It. I, I, I don't know if I'm just old man shouting at the sky. But, yeah, but, but you know, they, they must. They must have people who are paid far more money than I am to, to research this thing. I just. I just don't get it. Like. Will games be shown live on TikTok soon? Is that what they're going for? Oh, probably. I mean, it's got to be a fair chance of Reckham's Games doing that, if they're sponsored by them still. <laughs> right. Um, the last thing on this, Paul Hackenbottom said um, the refs don't understand the game, um, and he gave some wonderful example about how his goalkeeper couldn't be wasting time because he didn't know how he was going to take the kick until he saw Tottenham were going to defend against it. Has he got a point, or is he just chatting... Yorkshire. I think he's got a point though, hasn't he? Like he, it, 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 you see it so often in games that play gets held up while teams are shifting shape. Like, you know, te- teams you will quite often see, especially when substitutes are made, you'll see teams teams shifting shape mm. and and stuff like that. And I think the example they were using for this one was that Tottenham had come with a very high press, hadn't they, against Sheffield United? So the Sheffield United were trying to adjust and get out of that. You can't. As a referee, you can't go and tell a goalkeeper he has to take a kick if he hasn't got an option. I don't, mm. I don't think that's a referee's mm. place to be doing that. You know, it, as long mm. as as long as the player's looking to make a play, 
I, I, I don't see what the problem is. Do you, will you get it? So, you know, you know, at the end of the game, when, say, you 1-0 up and you've got the players who are running into the corner and just putting their foot on the ball, is the referee just going to come over and kick it from him? And <laughs> no? So why should he do Why should he do technically the same for a I'll tell you what, though, I would love if that was a rule. You know, like, on, <laughs> on like, ru- Robot Wars, where the, the ref bot would get involved. <laughs> like, that's what we want, basically. When it's, when it's not entertaining enough, get ref bot involved. Mike Dean would soon be out of retirement. <laughs> I, the, the, the only thing I would possibly say to, to counter against uh, Paul Heckenbottom's point was if, if your uh, sort of plan for the goal kick is to play out from the back now like, you can have the defender stood next to the goalkeeper so like you could pass it to him there <laughs> if you've if, if, if your defender who's not capable of doing something on the ball with 15 yards of space you know, between you and the opposition when you get it maybe you're not as equipped to play out from the back as you think you are Mm. Well, they have to. They have to overlap in that time as well. <laughs> <laughs> I take you all back. You hacking bottom. You spot on, mate. <laughs> no, it's a good point. So yeah, they they, they bought that ruling, didn't they? Where attackers can't go into the box and, and stuff like that. But uh, I think he's just uh, well, old man. He has a cloud, isn't he? But we've got them. We, we've got them on Sunday. So I'll uh, I'll let you know how that goes. Mm. <laughs> um, Last game of the three o'clock, West Ham one, Manchester City three. West Ham looked like they were going to continue their good run for a brief period of time when James Ward-Prowse opened the scoring, um, but then Man City got got their groove back in the second half and scored very quickly through Jeremy Doku and then Bernardo Silva, and guess who? Made it <laughs> two and three one. Um, Anything to say on this? I know it's kind of threatened a shock for a little bit, but then didn't. Um, Man City probably could have won by ball, really, on another day. Yeah, I remember looking at the scores on Saturday afternoon and seeing that it was like 1-0 to West Ham and thinking, this is it, this is, these are the sort of games that Man City lose. And, and, and then checking 10 minutes later um, and being like, shit. See, I, I was the opposite. At, at half-time, a uh, bit apart when the scores are coming through, I, I saw it was 1-0 West Ham and there was no part of me at that stage, I thought, well, Man City are not going to, you know, Man City are going to go and win this game. So, you see, I thought it was completely irrelevant. The West Ham took the lead. It's just Man City are they're just on another level. Do you notice that Haaland was getting a bit of shit on match of the day for, like, missing chances? <laughs> you know, he's, he's only scored seven in seven. You know, like, how, 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 how dare he? Like, that one that got cleared off the line, he got him <laughs> shit for a, goal, for a clearance. Okay, he, he didn't make the best connection with it, but it was cleared off the line. Yeah. <laughs> like, if he touches the ball and it doesn't fly into the back of the net from wherever he is, he, they seem to be like, oh, he's not very good, is he? Like, really <laughs> yeah, he's um, a victim of his own success, I think, isn't he? He's... Uh... Getting criticised from all angles for not scoring 100 goals a game. I was disgusted he didn't steal Bernardo Silva's goal, personally. <sighs> I think he thought he was offside. Right? <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> Bernardo Silva's taken on the mantra of Ilgai Ilga Gundogan, which is like, oh, we might not win. Died. Bernardo will sort <laughs> it out. I was like, yeah, <laughs> great. We needed another game changer, didn't we? West, West Ham look good, though, still. Yeah, I, yeah. I think they'll be all right, won't they? Yeah, they've had a good start to the season, haven't they, to be fair? Well, uh, Martin, they made like a really, really good signing and we're proud. So I, I really, really rate him. I, I, I personally, I think he should be in the England squad over a couple of players who, who regularly <laughs> get, get involved over, in there. Over most others, perhaps. <laughs> yeah. Yes. 
Um, no, I think he certainly should be in the squad at least. I mean, that's probably a chat for another day, but um, how he's not even in the, the 23, 24-man squad, odd to say the least. Um, but we'll talk about that in, in the next yeah. national break when, <laughs> inevit- when inevitably the same players get picked. Um, right, the last game of Saturday was the Mighty Mighty Magpies 1, Brentford 0. Uh, it wasn't much of a game. Um, I'm just pleased we won. I don't think we need to go into a deep dive in the analysis. Um, what we'll talk about is there's more ref decisions. Um, firstly, Callum Wilson's disallowed goal. How is this a foul? Anybody? <laughs> you, it's you, not. Can't, you can't go near a goalkeeper. Ben White learned that last season. Remember? Aye, but I mean, good grief. I mean, uh, everything, about that, everything we said about Flecken in the, uh, the preview pod or um, one of the first weeks of the season, I think me and you, so I went in on him. He is hopeless. My God, I mean, there was, the, like, yeah. there was one where we whipped it, well, I didn't whip across him, we floated across into nobody, and he decided to sort of like, bit, bitch slap it out wide for our, our winger, who <laughs> like, absolutely clueless. Um, but yeah, Wilson's crime was he stood there, and Flecken's crime was flapping at the ball, and he got a free I kick t- for it. I, I don't even think he was appealing for a foul. He was trying to say he, he'd imagine he was, a handball. Yeah, he was, he was claiming a handball. Christ knows where that was, like. But yeah, he's um, one of those like goals against disallowed that I think every football fan gets infuriated with. And those the only one in living memory I can remember being given was was last season when I think Tottenham beat Leeds and uh, their Melier did, did Melier things and. <laughs> something because Leeds fans were were very adamant that a foul should have been given because I mean you always do see them get given but the ref on that occasion did the right thing and unfortunately didn't didn't happen on the weekends but yeah it's one of those you know it's going to be disallowed and, and it should never be disallowed yeah a bit a uh, bit of a strange one um, the penalty was also not as uh, wasn't as obvious a penalty as we've seen in some games um what would you take on this, Chris? I, I'll be honest, I don't really remember it. So I remember the disallowed goal. I remember yeah. the getting, getting the penalty. So we, I don't remember the incident. It was a cross across the box. Aaron Hickey tried to sort of like cushion about the keeper, but spooned it a bit. So it was like... Oh, it's what, with Anthony Gordon? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. No, I thought it was a penalty. I've, I've taken, taken them out. Well, that's what I saw. Um, Alan Shearer and others saw something else on match of the day. Sai, you got the casting vote on this. When I, <laughs> when I initially saw it, I I thought, yeah, it's a penalty. The, the more I've seen it over the last couple of days, it's one of those where if, if a penalty hadn't been given, I wouldn't think that's an outrageous decision. And the fact the penalty was had been given, I don't necessarily think, again, that that was an outrageous. It's one of those that I think can go either way. Like I think the keeper has has kind of pulled out and Gordon has, has just flung his leg into him to make the contacts. You could call that clever. I mean, I don't know if you... Uh, the game that's on tonight, they've got Thomas Frank on. And uh, so I don't know if you saw him talking about it earlier on. He obviously doesn't think it was a penalty. But at the same time, he kind of said, you know, I've no problem with what Anthony Gordon did. He said, I, you know, my players will do the same thing. But that's what you do. You, you sort of make the contacts happen and, and give give the officials a decision. So I 
whatever the outcome of that had been, I think I'd, I'd have thought, yeah, that's fair enough. Thomas Frank's a weirdo. I don't like him. He's got substitute PE teacher energy in Oh, as I said before, you just look at him and you, you just know his hands smell. But like, of what? <laughs> no one's 100% certain. I don't like him one bit. Um, he made a, a comparison about uh, the penalty they didn't get against Tottenham when Lloris came flying out. Not Lloris, sorry. Um, must have been Vicario, I guess, against Brentford yeah. in the opening weekend. Um, but that's totally different because he's travelling at pace to try and save a shot, whereas in this one, Flecken is just sort of like ambling out there and still made the contact or you know, whatever. He kind of just... But either way, he didn't play the ball. He wasn't trying to do anything else other than, well, Christ knows what he was trying to do. I, I, that's, I think that's what's gone against him. Like He, he wasn't really mm. doing anything other than making a foul. He wasn't trying to clear it. He wasn't trying to shepherd it out. He just was in the way, basically. Um, I think it's one of those that if if that was given against your team, you'd think that's, that's harsh. But you, but you can't... You, I don't think you can look at that and... Like one hundred percent say that that's not a penalty. That's a ridiculous decision. But then at the same time, personally, I don't think I wouldn't look at that and go, "That's an absolute nailed on penalty." It's one of those that can really go either way. It's just a judgment call, and mm. sometimes you get them, sometimes you don't. Well, thankfully, we did. Uh, we were awarded another penalty later on, um, which was rightly chalked off because it hit and went on the head before him on the hand, uh, which, as we all know, is a rule. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. I, mean, I thought that was that was to be fair I did think that was fair uh, to, to be honest, even if it hadn't hit his head I thought it'd been very harsh, um, considering how mm. close he was to the ball. I know it's not it doesn't come into it anymore. Seemingly like <laughs> the ball is your hand you're in trouble anyway these days. There seems to be um more pens given than not for handball, but um this one they got right. I suppose you could compare it to the one that we got against Arsenal at the tail end last season it was turned over because it hit Give you on the thigh. You got him on the hand. Mm. Chris, ring a bell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hi. Let's stick with that yeah, one. Yeah. Um, that's the thing is, that's, I find it weird because that's been a rule for years, where if the ball deflects off you, mm. and then and then a couple of seasons ago, um, they they made a big deal of it, saying, "Oh, this is a this is a new thing." It's like it isn't. It's not a new thing. It's always been. A thing. <laughs> it's, so it's, I, I did a I did a refereeing course like in my twenties, and it was a thing. It's, it's been the only constant in an ever changing world of handball. <laughs> Yeah, I, I thought the um, the like the game, the result itself, though, is much needed win for Newcastle. To be fair, I mean, I, you've had uh, you know some some difficult fixtures. You know, it's not been the mm. most kind start, I think, for you. Um, and I thought, from what I saw, I saw the first half uh, in the pub after our game, then second half just on match of the day. Like I, I thought, Brentford were fairly decent had you know a couple of big chances especially this uh, in the first half this is a really good chance if they'd have gone one nil up could have been a different game so from what i saw in the first half i thought brentford were, were probably the better team so it's a big big for newcastle to actually sort of get through that and, and get their three points i think i think at a decent 10-15 minutes where as you said they had the, the hickey shot was saved and Vissa had that sort of the deflected cross which he didn't quite get in the end of um but after that, they offered very little, actually. Um, I don't remember Pope making a save after that point. Um, we defended well, I can't deny that. We, the back four were pretty much perfect in terms of how they, how they handled Brentford after that. Um, but it was always going to be a game where we just had to win and get restarted. Because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, 
you know what it's like when you go on a run where you don't win for a bit, it's a bit nervous and a bit jittery. Um, so just getting the win was all that really mattered. Um, but I we move on to Milan on Tuesday, so that'll be fun, I hope. <laughs> hmm. um, because. Well, it's just it's that's it. We're not going to win the Champions League, over, but we'll we'll enjoy the the game as well. We're there. Um, on to Sunday, which was a lot less entertaining. Um, Bournemouth nil, Chelsea nil. Um, Chelsea had a lot of sort of half chances, which they didn't take, and Nicholas Jackson had a post, and Bournemouth came on strong towards the end, and then by the end it was quite entertaining, nil nil, but. Neither team were really that happy with the result because I think both teams probably thought felt they could have won it. Um, what's happened to Chelsea to have spent a bazillion pounds and have a bench made up of children? <laughs> it's, mad, it's mad, isn't it? Like, it? Was it like six of their bench had never made a first-team appearance? Something like that, yeah. yeah. Like, I know all I've heard is, oh, yeah, Chelsea got a couple of injuries. How many injuries do they have? Like, <laughs> out of their first team, I hadn't heard of half of them. <laughs> Yeah, they've been signing players left, right and centre. I had no yeah. idea. I, I thought I'd put the wrong game on. Surely, if if you've spent billion pounds in the last 12 months, two or three injuries shouldn't have that big an effect on your match day squad. Surely, like, yeah, ridic- absolutely ridiculous. I mean, we... I, I think I... Oh, I definitely on the preview choice when we're talking about Chelsea... I think there's so much work, so much work that needs to be done at that club. Um, like, I, I don't understand how you can spend the best part of 250 million on three sort of holding midfielders, and then only spend 30 million on a centre forwards. Where that is such, a, you know, that's a position that everyone knows desperately needs sorting out at Chelsea, and then. It just, it, it, none of it makes sense. It's brilliant to watch. <laughs> it, it, like, it's hilarious. And, you know, crazy Todd Bowley's probably my favourite man in football at the moment. I, I hope he stays at that club forever and just keeps doing what he's doing because, oh, God, it's so much fun. Oh, no, I love only, it. There's only so many right-wingers in the league. Oh, you know, he'll <laughs> run out eventually. Like, it's... It's, it's ridiculous. Absolutely. And that... That Mudrick, honestly, <laughs> like I, I, I said it a, a while ago, and I don't think anything will convince me that the first time he saw football was when he turned up at Chelsea's training ground that first day. He's unbelievably bad, and for the money they spent on him, I you mean, know, I, I, Chris, you must be oh, over, yeah. the over the over the moon. Yeah, we got tr- we got trussed into that. Yeah. The thing, the thing is, um. Mudrick, he he got he got clapped off by the home fans at the um at the Bernabeu last season. This season he gets clapped he gets clapped on by the home fans. <laughs> it's, it's, it's insane. Like, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I don't get it. They've got a good manager as well. Pochettino is, is a good manager. He can make average players good, and there's a lot of very average players at that <laughs> club. But. Yeah, there's just there's no cohesion to them. Like I think what Dave said, your point is is the key one here is that both teams would have felt disappointed with this result. The fact that Bournemouth mm. would be disappointed that they drew nil nil with Chelsea. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, strange times at Stamford Bridge, but as I said, hilarious nevertheless. <laughs> um, I mean, like you look at 
who they've played this season. So obviously, they opened with Liverpool, you know, tough game. Then West Ham, Luton, Forest, and now Bournemouth. They lost two of those four games. And like, and drew one of the other ones. It's mm. you know, it's not like they've had, you know, this, like the start that uh, yourselves have had, Dave. Mm. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like they, you look at their their fixtures coming up. So they've got us next. Um, they, they've got Brighton in the cup. The way at Fulham, way at Burnley, Arsenal and Brentford. They're I don't they're see them tough games for them. Yeah, I don't see them getting six points out of those games. Yeah, I mean, it, I, I hope that's the case because you know, as I say, this this is just brilliant to watch. Like, but it's yeah, it's, it's really it's just really strange. You you kind of. I can't really... It's difficult, again, like with Manu in a way, to pinpoint what is it that, that's gone wrong? Because surely, not you know, God knows how many players have signed in, in the last 12 months. But surely it can't be the case that every single one of them is a, is a rubbish footballer. No, they've, like, signed, they, they've signed better players. Like, although, I, 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 in fairness, I think I've made this point before, when we're talking about Sky's co- coverage going going to the TikTok generation, Chelsea mm-hmm. signings, about a lot of them are TikTok signings. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like that, that Madueke, who, who looks like he could be a decent player if he cut out a lot of the crap in his game. Uh, mm-hmm. Mudrick, again, yeah, just like, puts his head down and just runs like he's dodging Russian missiles. Um, <laughs> you know, and, and, yeah, and a few, a few, a few of their other players, like Nicholas Jackson, I would be interested when... Football Manager 24 comes out, Dave. The first stat I want you to look at is what Nicholas Jackson's composure is. Because if it's over four, <laughs> then the searcher needs firing. Like, it's abs- absolutely insane. They are signing good players. I think they're overpaying for them. So I, 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 I think it's the opposite to Man United. Man United are signing all the shit players that you'd expect, like, you'd newly promoted teams to be fighting over. Chelsea are going and snapping up all these kids who might be good in the future. But then they've got 50 of them. They're like, well, we can't really... Just, just Let's just pull names out of the hat. Sanchez, <laughs> Sanchez can play in goal. We'll just pull names out of the hat for the rest of them. I did laugh today at um, Pochettino's comment, which was, we decided we'd play Mudrick in Chilwell's position. So Chilwell was on the bench. I was like... Not as he played Chilwell at left-back, where he's meant to play. Instead yeah, of, he, hasn't, he hasn't played at left back all season. He's been playing out on the wing. Well, I know he's that, but why? Yeah. Like, he's just... top, yeah, he's their top scorer, though, Dave. Is he? So, <laughs> yeah, he he drops their top score. I'm pretty sure Ben Chilwell is Chelsea's top goal scorer this season. Oh, and and they, they they dropped him for a player who Simon describes as has never seen a football before six months ago. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking insane, isn't it? Yeah, but I mean, like you just you mentioned Sanchez there. What what the hell is he doing playing in goal for Chelsea? Like. It's similar to to the point I made about Jackson. The, the amount of money they spent on certain positions and like a load of players who play in the same position, and then arguably your two most important positions, if you're wanting to you know mount challenges to doing serious stuff, is your goalkeeper and centre forward. And it's like they've just gone, uh, we'll just you you know we will try and spend as little as, as possible on someone there who, who, who's available. Like if, if Brighton happy to sell a goalkeeper to Chelsea. Yeah. You've got a question, is that goalkeeper good enough to be playing for Chelsea? And, and, that's, and th- that's no disrespect to like, Brighton and, or anything. And then they've loaned out a £70 million goalkeeper to Real Madrid, who had a great game at the weekend, apparently. It's, it's insane, but if you've, if you've got a crazy owner, you know, they say it filters down from the top, don't they? So. 
the next chapter of Chelsea doing crazy things. Um, how, do you, how do you think Pochettino feels though? So he's gone from working with Daniel Levy, who wouldn't let him sign anybody, um, to a man to a chairman who is literally so just sign fucking everybody. Like, I mean, I, mm. I, I, I reckon he's probably thinking to himself, I hope I only got uh, a one-year lease on on this flat because I don't <laughs> think I'm be here that long. Yeah, I think he'll, I think he'll be gone by Christmas. I think somebody in the preview in the preview said that, that he'd be the first. Ali said he'd be the first manager sacked, and to yeah. be fair, I'm, I'm, it's it's got to be coming. Isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's Chelsea v Villa next Sunday, which is a really interesting game because uh, the two clubs moving in opposite directions, in my money, like. But we'll see mm. next Monday night when we meet how that one turned out. Um, the last game of Sunday, Everton nil, Arsenal won. Um, no, the Everton nil part, not so much a surprise. Um, Chris, never in doubt. Yeah. Uh, no, I don't think there's ever in doubt. Like, I think we could have still been playing today and Everton wouldn't have had more than one shot on target. <laughs> um, they, they they are in a lot of trouble. Like, they had absolutely nothing. And I think people look at this, it wasn't a great game, and people look at this and they go, oh, Arsenal only won 1-0. But that, I don't think that really tells the story of how bad Everton were. And, it, yeah, it was such a... It, it's hard to describe because... These are the sort of games where we've in the in the past we've lost because we've 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 got a really bad record at um, Goodison for some reason. Yeah. And, uh, and like a, a few Arsenal fans I was talking to, we're actually dread like dreading the game. But our game management was was absolutely spot on here, and I think we've had a lot of grief in the media for it because it wasn't it's not the the swashbuckling all fucking crazy go forward football that we saw from Arsenal last season. The ga- we managed the game. We we went there. Everton were it were all over the place. It's like if you're if you're a football team and you go out, you've got a plan. You'd be like, right, this is what the opponents are going to do. This is how they play. This is how we are going to play to counter them. And you you spend all week working on that and whatever. And then suddenly you go on the pitch and your opponents are like loads of eight year olds. You've got no plan. They just run around and you're and you'd think. On paper, you think, oh, this is going to be really easy because we can just do our thing. And But then you've got all these eight-year-olds just running around kicking you and doing the wildest shit. That's what it's like playing Everton. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm really sorry, Simon. Like, But that's what... It, it's really hard to have a game plan against them because I don't think Everton had a game plan themselves. So you, you, you can't... You have to obviously account for that because you know that you don't know what your opponent's going to do. Uh, and I think one, that's one of the things that Arteta wants Arsenal to be. He wants us to be more unpredictable. So he's, you know, he's making changes. He's, you know, playing right backs at uh, midfielders at right back. He's playing uh, left wingers in right midfield when we're in position, and, and all of these, these strange things. Um, but yeah, Everton, Everton, Sean Dyche has obviously gone for the same thing. But do you know what, lads? Just go out there and have a good time. <laughs> like, that's not, that's I, not I, working I, either. When I saw the lineups, and I was like, oh, obviously, I think so. Um, Carl said it, like, oh, Ashley Young's going to play every week. Like, when I saw the him at right back, I was like, I hadn't seen the Arsenal team at this point. I was thinking, who's playing at right back for Arsenal? Like, um, he's been, is, is Ramsdale playing at right, uh, uh, left wing for Arsenal? Because that's the only reason I could think that Ashley Young would play at right back. <laughs> and then I saw, like, I saw it was like the predicted lineup with Martinelli. And I was like, he thinks that Ashley Young's going to deal with Martinelli. If Martinelli hadn't gone off injured, I think that game would have been a, very, a lot different, to be fair. Ashley Young must have thought, when Trossard came on, he must have thought, oh, this is all right, because he's not going to run at me. 
<laughs> but yeah, it was such such a strange strange game. Arsenal at the time just didn't look like they they knew how to deal with Everton, not knowing how to deal with themselves. <laughs> um, it's a great goal from Trossard. You know, it's, it's what he does, and you know the routine. That we, you know, we um, we're the best team in the Premier League for set pieces, which I find fucking insane. Um, over the last two seasons, defending set pieces, we've been brilliant. Which, if you go back two seasons, we were the worst at. Uh, and now, we, yeah, we, we're getting goals from set pieces as well. So you know, all the hard work's paying off there. So there is a plan, and we are now coming up with pr- the problem we've had in the past is we've had plan A, and there's been no plan B, C, D, or anything like that. No, you, you're seeing plan A, B, C, D every week. I think Arteta mentioned these press conference of a week that during one of the games we we had forty six or some different formations throughout the game, um, which it sounds it sounds insane, but it but when you look at it, you you you, you kind of see it. Like if we'd have gone in with this swashbuckling Cavalier football, um, we could have steamrolled Everton because I think they would have run out of steam at some point and started running into each other or or, or sitting down reading a book or something. Um, but instead, we we did what what most away teams do when they come to the Emirates. We just slowed the game down um, and changed the game plan. Like, I think Gary Neville um, was actually pretty spot on in his assessment. There were times when we were trying to play the ball out wide to Saka uh, and we would have been Martin at the start. But then it it made things more interesting when we gave the ball to the player like Odegaard when when they were being tightly marked by the the giant people that Everton have at (laughs) centre-back. you know, and that's where more of our play came from. But yeah, Everton—it was, um, you know, in rugby when you watch rugby and one team moves and the other team is just kind of standing there a bit. That's what Everton were like. They were—it was very, very rugby-like. And I'm, it, yeah, I, I couldn't comprehend what they were doing. I went—I went, I think I said it on the one of the shows here. I went to a football match uh, locally here in Devon a few weeks ago, and the only two players on the pitch I could work out where they were playing were the, the goalkeepers. Everyone else was just literally all over the shop. That was what that was what everyone in blue was kind of like on on, on Sunday. Um, I really fear for Everton. Like, <coughs> they were so poor, and I didn't predict this like in the um, at the start of the season. Like I, I said, like Luton, Sheffield United, and all that are going to struggle, and I still think like Luton will. But Sheffield United have shown that they've got more about them than, than Everton so far. Um, so have like. Forest and who else came up? Uh, Burnley. Burnley, yeah, even Burnley has shown that they've, they've got a bit. I, I really, I really do feel fear for Everton. Like it's one, I think one nil flattered, flattered, flattered them. And to be fair, I say we weren't great. I, I, I dread to think what Man City would 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 do. Yeah, well, I'm sure. Sorry, we'll... I, went on, I, went, I went on a bit. Wrong, no, well, I think you're quite right. They, they don't have much at all going for them. Um, got Will Carl back to tell us all about that. I mean, like, I, I, I thought the exact same thing um, as you did when when we played them. I think mean, it was the second game of the season. Like, we weren't great. We beat them four nil. We could have beat them like seven nil that day, and we didn't get out of first gear. Like, if we'd have really got up then could have probably hit double figures and like I exactly what you just said there I was watching it like shots actually like genuinely really shots at what I was seeing from that Everton team and mm. yeah I, I I totally agree with you I 
I really, really, really fear yeah. for for them this season because not only are they just so bad, like from a defensive point of view, which I'm really surprised that with Dyke's avoid at least got them organised. But where they're getting goals from. Yeah. They that's, just that's, don't create anything. That's the thing. It's so weird because you, you, you see these teams who go to like Man City's and whatever and they get battered like 7, 8, 9 nil occasionally. And you, you see that and you think, oh my God, these are bad teams. But nine times out of ten, that's because these are teams who've gone with a plan and they've tried to play a certain way and they've been undone very quickly. I don't think many teams are going to play Everton this season and look good, but I think many teams mm. are going to go to Everton this season and beat them <laughs> because because I, I generally think it's it's difficult to play with that amount of or misorganisation in front of it. And again, I agree completely with what you're saying, Simon. If anyone was going to sort them out and get them organised, you'd think it'd be Sean Dyche, but it, it, it literally looks like there's, there's there's nothing to them. It's just like, all right, lads. Um, he found 11 lads in the car park, told them to put blue shirts on and, and go and run around on Goodison for a bit. And to be fair, not many of them did much running around. Like, Calvert-Lewin come on in his Zorro costume and, and look like he was at a kid's party. I think they they might be better off trying that tactic next week. Yeah. Just go to the car park. I mean, I I, I actually, I do kind of feel a bit sorry for Sean Dyche. I, I, I quite like him. I, I think, I don't think it matters what, manager you put in charge of, of that team I don't I like genuinely I, I don't really know what anyone could do with them this season I, I yeah I just I'm, if you if you finish below Everton this season I think that will mean that you've been relegated as well yeah you're you're losing I'm really sorry I, in a way I'm kind of glad Carl is in here because I, I imagine he would be just as frustra- frustrated with them I, like, most of my observations from the game were how frustrated I was with Everton at no point did I think we would lose or draw that game I, I 100% thought we would win that game but weirdly I, at no point did I think here we go we're going to score 6 or 7 <laughs> and you know you see that sometimes you get the one goal and you think right this is it now floodgates opened no, because it did because everything didn't change when they went behind. Because that's usually what happens, isn't it? A team <clears> goes behind and then their game opens up a bit, and then suddenly they get pumped. Everton didn't change. They were just like, "We're still here." Like the man in the middle hasn't told us we can go home yet. <laughs> well, we should take this opportunity to congratulate Carl and uh, and Mrs. Carl on the arrival of baby Carl. Um, Carl Dominic. Carl. <laughs> yeah, pro- probably not named Gladys after the Gladys Street down, <laughs> but never mind. Um, enjoy paternity leave, Carl. We'll uh, hopefully. Well, I don't. I don't even hope everyone will be when you come back, but I hope they, you know, at least try. Um, tonight's game, well, well, I haven't really got much opportunity to cover because we haven't really seen it. Um, we finished one-one between Forest and Burnley. Um, Burnley's first point since come back. They seem decent-ish, what I saw. Um, there's a lot of AR nonsense towards the end of this. There was a goal that's allowed for handball, and then a red card for Lyle Foster, who we now know who he is after uh, <laughs> a short title last time out. Um, but I'm sure the boys and girls on Thursday, Friday, later in the week, will cover that game off. Um and I also say, lads, before we wrap up for another wonderful week. 
Is it, is it international break next weekend? There's another one coming soon. I can't keep That's up. like three weeks away. Oh, God, no, it's not, because it's... Oh, I might not be here next week. Oh, it's, oh, it's North London Derby. It's North London Derby next week. Oh, oh, I'm actually quite nervous about it. Uh, well, I mean, as, yeah. as I uh, said in the, the WhatsApp group to you guys, there's no guarantee that I'll be here, because uh, I, I can't, can't be sure if I'd have made it back from Poland safely or not <laughs> on Friday. They'll have to go and see Villa. Back in Europe after 13 years. Got tickets for the game. I cannot wait. Oh, God, yeah, we're in the Champions League. I'd forgotten all Oh, God, yeah. Champions. Oh, it's all oh. up. Yeah, so it's a good job I remembered. I'll be turning my telly on Thursday thinking, oh, okay, <laughs> This isn't right. Yeah, it's <laughs> <laughs> So we've all got stuff to Exactly, we've, all, we've all got stuff to look forward to. It's a nice feeling. It's been a, been a while. <laughs> Aye. I'm going to be exhausted all this... Uh, Midweek football to watch. I'm used, I'm used to being like a one once a week and no cups for us, thank you. But now it's nothing, <laughs> nothing but extra games. Right. No, no more sat, no more Saturday three o'clock games for you, Dave. No, well, no, probably never again. Um, I mean, we won't tell you in Sheffield United the weekend. Who who wants to watch that? Oh, come on, <laughs> they 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 put Forest Burnley on a Monday night. We know Sky have a lot of problems when it comes to because <laughs> <laughs> uh, everyone's watching YouTube, isn't it? So. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> right, let's bring this baby home. Um, Sai, where can people find you if they want to hear more of your witticisms? Uh, yeah, so on Twitter, it's at Sai Vegan, and then the Holtcast podcast and the website 7500stoholt.com. Love, same for you. Can I give out my Tinder dick? No, I'm uh, you, you, can, you can find me on Twitter at XIX Blue Wolf XIX and everything else under that name, apart from like that thing with the blue sky and something about stitching. I, I don't know what they are. Well, always comprehensive. Um, you can find us on Man on the Post. Uh, I look after the Twitter account occasionally now, so that's why I think a tweet will be out on time. Sorry, Chris. <laughs> so, sorry, Chris. <laughs> oh, no. Not you. Etch a sketch. Shout out your stuff as well. Oh, Chris, I thought you never asked. You can find my stuff on Twitter at CM9798. If you're really desperate, you can watch the YouTube channel, which is CM9798 Plays. Uh, and the website is cm9798.co.uk because we're always on brand. Right, gentlemen, it's been an absolute pleasure to sit in the horse chair. Ali was climbing a mountain. I forgot about that. Yeah, that's quite impressive. Fair play. I mean, granted. Granted. Yes. Couldn't have been that hard. <laughs> it was also and, yes. And he went to the gym. Every, he went to the gym every day in the run-up. Uh, and he got he had a bath tonight with some Redox muscle muscle recovery. <laughs> muscle soak. Yeah. Muscle soak. And just it was yesterday. Today is another day. Alistair. Actually, I might text him and see if that works because my back's been killing me. Just, just uh, I'm watching his photos. Get him to send some round. Um, <laughs> right. uh, thanks everybody for listening. Um, I can't remember if I've already recapped this or not. Run at man on the post. See you there. Right. Thank you, gentlemen. Thanks everybody else. Always remember, keep your man on the post. Mm-hmm.